less stress, more time, more money. Welcome to the Cash Flow Contractor. Short. Martin, you like to read a lot? I do, sometimes. Some, I mean, if it's every right day. stuff to read. Well, I read every day, but it's got to be interesting. interesting. Two books this weekend, or was it the, uh, recently? Seven days or so. Seven days. And they're all about lean, right? One of them One is. One of them is about lean. Yeah, one of them is not. Why are you reading about lean? What are you manufacturing? Um, <laughs> manufacturing <laughs> accounts receivable. <laughs> oh, yeah? yeah. Um, no, I mean, uh, I, I'm interested in these things because I find things that can help my clients and pretty keen to do that. Yeah. And uh, I like to know how things work and how to get better. So books... A lot of times can do that. Sometimes you open one up and you realize halfway through this was a waste of time. And I've got a pile of those too. And then you go and you write the one-star review on Amazon? No, I, 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 I empathize with authors. I know how hard it is. <laughs> Even if it's not good, I'm not going to trash somebody. I'm just not going to recommend it. It's a lot of time, isn't it? It is. Well, um, you read a book about lean. And I think lean is one of the more fascinating topics mainly because you really don't have to be in manufacturing to be able to implement lean in your life, even in your personal life. Uh, and I think it's a really interesting way of talking about it. And we've referenced lean throughout this podcast. I think two-second lean is probably the most popular reference that we give to Paul Akers uh, because it's such a simple explanation of lean. But there's so many other ones out there. What's the... the Colin, Colin Reed was on. Colin Reed few, was on. A few weeks ago. Jeff Finney talked about uh, right. lean a lot. What was... Who's the... Is it... Who's the CEO of Ford at one point that wrote the book on, on lean? You probably you've read it. I know you have. I'll I'll we'll find it later. I mean, there are lots of books on lean. CEO of Ford. Hmm. Yeah, me. the game or I don't, I don't even. Hold know. on, Goldratt. Uh, yes, he wrote, he wrote a novel that demonstrate the goal. The goal. The not, goal. Yeah. 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 That's a real famous. Book. Yeah, really good book, and it talks about lean in many right. ways too. Um, so. This is a different book on lean. What's right. the name of this book? It's called This is Lean. Okay. And by two Swedish guys who, you know, Per Svansson or something like that. Don't know their <laughs> names. But This is Lean. And it's the best book I've ever read on lean. Oh, okay. Uh, More than Two but, Second Lean. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it would not be that interesting or that good if I hadn't read a lot of other mm. books on lean. So, is it more advanced? Uh, yeah, it was insightful and in, in important ways. And they were decisive in the things that they recommend. So if, for people who haven't heard or don't know, lean is, uh, boy, that's one thing in the book. They say, what's lean? And you, they get 900 different answers. But it's a philosophy of constantly improving mm -hmm. by eliminating waste, uh, I think is, is a good definition. Most people associate it with manufacturing because... Toyota did not invent lean, but lean is a name that applied to what Toyota does in their manufacturing processes. And uh, so lean, lean has kind of come to be the name, and, and the origin really was Toyota, where we're trying to eliminate waste. Yeah. And it's not the point of this podcast. We did one with Colin Reed in which we talk about what the kinds of wastes are, weighting and excess inventory and defects and... and uh, uh, not utilizing people and so on. But this book was um, really insightful at, at kind of a higher level. Yeah. And so 
there's a couple things that we want to talk about. Let's assume that people have listened to the episode with Colin Reed. They've listened to some of our other episodes on lean and they understand the concept well, kind of like you did before you read this book. Flow efficiency and resource efficiency, what are they and how are they different? Well, that's one of the main things this, these guys do is the lean is trying to become efficient, getting more for less, right? More from less um, or at least more from the same or the same from less. But anyway, getting that ratio better. <laughs> Um, and one of the things these two guys did in this book is they define two types of efficiency and one is resource efficiency and the other is flow efficiency and those sounds a little bit philosophical and maybe they are but they're really important and so the distinction between those two is resource efficiency is I'll give some examples Let's say you're a manufacturer and you have a really expensive machine. You bought a CNC machine and you want to keep it running. So you keep it stacked up because it's, it's the most expensive piece of equipment in your, in your whole operation and, and you should run it. Or you have a paint booth, which costs a lot of money, and you keep that running. Um, it applies. I'll, I'll get into some service examples, of which most a lot of contracting can be considered service work. But... Resource efficiency is you take expensive resources and you keep them running. So that they're, the time, they're running 90% of the time, let's say. Flow efficiency is that you keep the unit of whatever you're producing moving all the time. Okay, so you're focusing on progress being made all the time or you're focusing on keeping some resource busy all the time. And so that's the first thing they did was they, they defined the difference between resource efficiency and flow efficiency, which is really obvious once somebody's defined it for you. Yeah, you it's, it's it one of those things but that... you didn't necessarily think about it that way. It, it makes sense, right. but it took a lot of thinking well, and processing really to get insightful. it down. Well, that's why I say yeah. it's such an important book. So what's, what's the difference? Uh, well, I, I said what the difference is. You would like, obviously, to do both all the time and be 100% efficiency and efficient in the use of your resources and in the flow of your... Well, let me jump back and use an example they used in the book, which isn't exactly um, contracting, but it's a, great, it's a great example. They describe a woman who had a medical problem, um, and she called her doctor, and her doctor... Uh, set an appointment for two weeks later to come in, does an initial uh, exam and says you need to get an MRI. So he creates an appointment for an MRI, which is two weeks later. They go, she goes and gets the MRI. A week later, she goes back to the doctor for the results. He said, we need to do a biopsy. So he sets an appointment at a clinic at a place where you do biopsies or sent one out. And then two weeks after that, come back and get the results. And literally in the book, that was a 42-day process, uh, which, as you can imagine, because this obviously was a cancer deal, uh, that just be agony for that woman. And they compared it with another clinic that has one shop, one stop. She goes in, she gets assessed, they do the MRI there, they do the biopsy there, they send it to, they make it sound like it happens in like eight hours. Okay. Wow. One, the first one, is resource efficient. They want to make sure these high special doctors are busy all the time, so they make a, a silo, if you will, of doctors and make sure he's always got patients, or he or she's always got patients. Then they send it off to another resource, which is a, 
is an expensive MRI machine, and they have they make sure that MRI is working all the time. So they have set appointments. You got to wait two weeks. It's full. We go to that. Then they have to go back and yeah. be inefficient at the doctor again. Then they biopsy. take a biopsy and they send it to a lab, and the lab's trying to keep busy all the time. And as a result, um, they were very resource efficient at all those stages, which were having to be different um, organizations. It wasn't all the same person or same company owned them all. But it took 42 days. Yeah. In the second, they had somebody who was flow efficient. They made sure that the next step in the process is to get an MRI. The next step in the process is to get a biopsy. Next step in the process is to get an analyzer, whatever the word is for that. And then the final process is to deliver the diagnosis. And they concentrated on the unit of production, which in this case is a patient. And that pay, and it took eight hours versus 42 days. But the resources weren't as efficient. The, the re, I mean, presumably not. Presumably. Now, if you get really, really good, you can keep the doctors really busy. But they concentrated on flow. And the, and the, uh, and the way they describe it that makes a lot of sense is if you put a camera on the resource, on the shoulder of the resource, the doctor, is he busy all day? You know, maybe only seven and a half hours out of eight or 11 out of 12, but he's really efficient. Or do you put a camera on the patient? Is the patient constantly moving? The patient could be a cabinet box or it could be a welded piece or it could be your uh, project that you're doing, Mm -hmm. you know, the steps in the project. So the first thing they did was make that distinction between resource efficiency and flow efficiency. The second thing they did, and I really appreciate them for this, is they didn't equivocate on it. They said, as you begin, focus on flow efficiency. Mm. Okay? And then, I won't dive in it really deeply, but why is that? And the reason is, when you have resource efficiency, you tend to build silos. And the silos, the one silo being the doctor, another MRI guy, another a biopsy lab, another, a, you know. So you have all these silos that they really work pretty well. They might be internally efficient. But the problem is in between, right? Uh, a patient waiting who starts calling the doctor, and the doctor has to spend time calling her back, in this case of her, and placating that problem in manufacturing the in-between winds up being parts sitting waiting for the next machine. If you have a CNC machine and it can cut um, 500 pieces a day, but you can only do the next process on 100, you wind up with 400 or more packed in between. Lots of bad things with that from our, from that. What, there's waiting, there's the cost of the inventory, there's the cost of space. Uh, if you've made a mistake in step one, you don't discover it for three weeks. And you have to remake. Anyway, all these problems come from in between the silos. When you have flow efficiency, you're getting rid of the silos. And it's not at all intuitive um, that that's the case. And so that those those are the two things that um, I had a note here. I want something I wanted to mention. Um, Flow efficiency, resource efficiency, and choosing between the two. No. You have to start with the flow efficiency or else you create silos. Right. Well, we, we're talking about flow efficiency. How does it apply to other than a medical patient? That's a pretty easy example. But um, the, the one example I had talked about with the paint booth, I have, have painting or finishing in manufacturing 
is a perpetual PIA, right? It it's better than it used to be with paint chemicals and so on, but it, it's terrible. You got to finish it, you got to let it dry, you got to sand it, run it through again. Anyway, it's a terrible bottleneck. Well, to be, I have a client that this is the problem. Um, they run through a batch, we'll just call it a batch, uh, that is designed to optimize the paint booth efficiency, not have to change colors, you know, running through, uh, anyway, just running through the process, this big batch, because it makes the paint booth efficient. In the meantime, the parts or the components that are waiting for what's being painted are sitting there, right? So we're, this is one approach, but batch size, it's possible to design the batches that go through the paint booth in a size that it that matches the ability to do to build the other components and then put them together so that something is continuously if you want to think about it that way moving off the line yeah um, I have a builder uh, we're working diligently to reduce build times because the huge impact of huge outsized impact build times have on profitability and one of the things we found was that they had a high quality resource and in this case it's a uh, a cad guy who draws and yeah. designs the buildings and he's a high resource because he costs a lot of money and they want to run it through him well we were coming up with all these delays because things stopped because he didn't have the drawings completed okay mm. well they're reluctant to add somebody because well he's our top quality guy he's our resource and we want to utilize him but everything else stopped. If you're flow efficient, you'll say, I may have to spend more money, get him an intern, which is what actually happened, but we're gonna get this done because we want the product, in this case a house, to be constantly in motion, not waiting for somebody so that we can be real efficient in utilization. Uh, I have even, well, go ahead. Well, I, I think this is a topic that, um, you know, there's probably several examples and hopefully people that are listening are thinking of the ways that they can be more efficient in their business, whether it's with a specific resource and they've had that mindset that's created silos for them or created roadblocks, bottlenecks, uh, or in just their flow of things, whether they're working with clients, whether they're working with a product, whether they're working with customers, projects, whatever it is, and they're seeing the opportunities for efficiency and seeing honestly where they may not be as efficient um, and where they can improve. I'll, not, I'll give you a short example. Uh, happened pretty recently a lot of contractors rent machines mm -hmm. uh, whether it's tree trimming or pool digging or a 70,000 pound track or something like that well they've got two projects that are both going to need it so they just wait <laughs> until both are ready and then go rent the machine right well that's resource efficiency because you rented the machine for one week and you might as well use it on two jobs sometimes that might be the right decision uh, action yeah but things are stopped because you're trying to be resource efficient rather than flow efficient and you're meanwhile paying the labor for all your employees and if and, it rains on because yep. you missed that day you're completely stuck and so um, a lot of the things when you're trying to be resource efficient it isn't even like the cost of the machine or the cost of hiring an intern to help that draftsman it is what I just said, it rains and all of a sudden what you thought was going to be a couple of days winds up being a month, Yep. right? And so uh, that that was the main thing. I encourage people to get this book. Uh, the principles of resource and flow efficiency are easy to see and conceptualize in manufacturing because you can actually see if something is flowing. You can, 
if your plant's designed right, you can look across the plant. Maybe you're the first step and you're looking on the end. If you push one onto the, onto the massive line, one pops off the other end. It's not so easy in contracting, but it's worth spending the time to try to figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, name of the book again? It's called This is Lean by Two Swedish Guys. Okay. Two that's Swedish not what guys. it says on the book, but that's who <laughs> they are. So. All right. Well, thanks for sharing about the book. Okay. And I hope that people find this useful and maybe check it out and definitely get into Lean. Thanks for listening to The Cashflow Contractor. Check out our website in the show notes or visit thecashflowcontractor.com.